Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, TNT analyst Kevin McHale. I tell you what, for Vikings fans... Green Bay playing the Bears is like, do you want to get hung or do you want to get shot? With your host, Galliot Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of The Nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip Here we are again. Seku Smith from NBA.com and the Hangtime blog. Lang Whitaker, my co-host, live and direct from the couch in New York. Langston. What's up, man? What is the deal? Good. I'm waiting for this uh, air conditioner delivery man to show up today. <laughs> so it might, at some point, I might have to sign off for a minute. And, <laughs> so it's officially and, uh, hot in New York now. Everybody gets their today, AC back. T- yeah, today it's like 80, but tomorrow it's supposed to go up into the 90s. So it's uh, it's AC time, I think. Uh, nice, nice. It's, well, it's AC time here in Dallas. Yeah, that's what I heard. Finals, um, triple digits. Been flirting with them every day since we've been here in uh, – Unlike Miami, where we had the tropical breeze blowing, and uh, you know it was it was cooler actually than than I thought it would be in Miami. It's much hotter here. Um, the heat the is is on, as they would say uh, <laughs> in cliche world, and uh, the the heat is on the Mavericks right now. Um, you know they got some work to do here to to pull back even in the NBA Finals. Uh, we'll have some guests on today to talk about all that. And uh, also get some of the news of the day out of the way. Uh, Mark Jackson taking over as the coach of the Golden State Warriors now, which is a surprise, surprise to you, Lang. Certainly a surprise around here yesterday when it, when we all heard about it. I don't. I'm not that surprised he got a coaching job because I know he's you know been talked about a lot lately. I, I think the timing was definitely a surprise because mm-hmm. I don't think anyone thought it was going to happen. So especially the Golden State job was going to go to him so quickly, but. Um, I think he'll do a good job. I'm interested to see how he does. Um, I mean, I think anyone who plays in the NBA for 17 seasons, especially a point guard, just the institutional knowledge you have at that point, (laughs) you know, um, (laughs) and just knowing how to deal with uh, a point guard deals with players and deals with, you know, uh, people like that. I I think he's pretty well equipped to, to do a good job. Yeah. I mean, also, I I don't know if you saw the news, um, Mike Malone, who was an assistant, uh, with Mike Brown in Cleveland um, for quite some time, one of the top assistants in basketball is going to be joining Mark Jackson in Golden State. So that's a big move as well. Um, yeah. very, just very interesting, I, I think, uh, like you said, the time in. Everybody's talked for a long time about what would it be like, you know, for, for Mark Jackson to be a head coach. I mean, it's, it's been discussed quite a bit, certainly on the ABC broadcast with he and Jeff Van Gundy, and now we'll get a chance to check it out. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming 
that he's going to do a, a good job only because he seemed like such a, you know, and this is, I think this is Doc Rivers' redux for a lot of guys. Yeah. Is that, you know, when you have an announcer on who's a former player who seems really in tune with the game and just kind of very cerebral about it, you, you just kind of assume he's going to do a really good job. Um, but do you think there's some a little bit of danger in having a guy who's never really blown whistles at practice? And, and you know, I know he's been in a million practices, obviously, but right. never really been in charge of him and had to run a team and manage the personalities. Any any fear at all? Any little twinge of I fear think, at all? I think there's less danger having Mark Jackson do it than if, like, I did it, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I you mean- never <laughs> – your, your playing days at North Atlanta High School don't count. <laughs> and I must say that when I coached the <laughs> church league team, we won back-to-back titles. But <laughs> but I, I do think that, you know, I, ha- having a Mark Jackson do it is a lot different than having someone who, you know, has never been around the league or, or whatever, or, you know, mm-hmm. having a guy come straight from college or whatever. I think there's a big difference with, with that. And um, I think Mark – coming straight from TV, coming, especially coming straight from the NBA Finals and ABC, um, guys respect him and they know him and they've heard him. And, you know, even if they don't yeah. remember him as a player, they remember they know him from this. And uh, so he comes in with some sort of authority kind of built in. Right, right. I, oh, wait, uh, I want to ask you. So last time I saw you was in Miami. Yeah. You were going off to Orlando from there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we haven't talked since then. That's right. That's right. Uh I went to the uh, Shaq Tirement at uh, <laughs> the O'Neill residence in Orlando last Friday, which was, let me just say, um, to get up and, you know, the, the game, game two was was Thursday night. And uh, I, I don't know, I think I got back to the hotel in Miami at two o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, I had a 730 flight. And this is a long story, so or kind of a long story, so bear with me. But um, I had a 730 flight and uh, Tom Heights. Of, uh, of Turner Sports was on there. Um, Tara August from TNT was there. Uh, and 3D was on the flight as well. And so all of us were basically zombies at the airport the next morning on about two mm-hmm. hours sleeps going on, you know, going on fumes to Orlando. But the best part was the little 45 minute flight. We, we get to Orlando and uh, Tara and I are sitting up in the front of the plane. 3D and Heights are sitting in the back. And I turn around to see as we're getting up and, and, you know, getting off the plane, I turn around and look back and 3D is sitting in his seat with his hat on his head, shades on, head cocked to the side. And I'm, I'm telling you, it was weekend at Bernie's part two, man. He was, <laughs> he was out. I mean, he was done. And uh, everybody got up off the plane. I kept, I just sat there for a second. I'm going to see if 3D gets up. I'm going to see if he realizes the plane is on the ground and everybody's getting on the plane. Man, he didn't budge. But uh, right. <laughs> so, hey. I mean – that's how we kicked off a, a crazy, crazy day in Orlando at Shaq's retirement, man. It was fantastic. Hey, uh, well, well, let's get to the details later, but right now we have uh, our first guest on the line. Uh, you want to give him the intro, Seiko? I, I don't need to give him an introduction, man. Every, everybody knows Stack, man. He, Jerry Stackhouse, uh, you've seen him on NBA TV's airways, but obviously you've watched him play for a long time in the NBA and prior to that at North Carolina, of course, is joining us now on the Hang Time Podcast. Stack, how you doing, man? Oh, good, good, man. Good to be on with you, man. How you doing? Good. We appreciate it, man. Lang Whitaker is here with me as well uh, from Slam Magazine. We, Stack, you are one of the few people who have uh, some interesting 
connections to both of these teams playing in the NBA Finals. Um, obviously, having played with the Mavericks in 2006 when they played the Heat, and, and then spending some time on that Heat roster this season. Um, for you, is it is it weird watching these two outfits go at it now with the you know with those extensive ties to both places that you have? Yeah, I mean it is. I mean it's really a weird dynamic, but it is what it is, man. I mean I was uh, I'm under the firm belief that what's for you is for you. Uh, that's what one of my, the slogans my mother always preached, and I still live by it. I mean it's just as right. close as it is to touch. You know what I'm saying? And like I was right in that situation, and uh, you know not really of any, anything of my own doing somebody else's. You know, injury calls for me not to really be in that situation right now. So, I mean, I mean, realistically, I'm thinking, you know, if you're down as half and doesn't get hurt, you know, I mean, there's not a need for another big on a, on the roster, then I'm, you know, maybe I'm still right there right now. Right. Um, two games away from a, a championship that, you know, pretty much has eluded me over the last 16 years. But, like like I said, I, I live under the, the mantra, you know, what's for you is for you. And, obviously, the man upstairs didn't have that in the plans for me. But, and then on the flip side of it, Dallas, you know, not too far removed from that situation. Back in 06, and seeing them back, you know, you know, in the finals with a chance to, to possibly win a championship. And obviously, there's some um, some emotions and, and thoughts that run through that. But at the same time, I enjoy great basketball. And I've been, you know, I've been, been liking what I've, what I've been seeing as far as the, the, the games and how they've been played. Yeah. Stack, Stack, how's it different playing in the finals than playing in the playoffs? You you went in 2006, and is is it just being on that bigger stage? Is it that much more pressure? Is, is it, you know, you have more time between games? What What's it like to actually be in the middle of the finals? Well, no, I, mean, I think it's the, uh, just the adjustment of, of dealing with all of the media that comes with being in the finals. I mean, everything is media, media, media. It's really like the game is uh, – is extra, extra games. I mean, you're so happy to get to the games. You know, I mean, like, they're not all the obligations that you have for the media, right. you know, shoot around on the off days, this and that, different, you know, outlets want to get interviews and, and things. Because you're all that there is now. There are only two teams left. So everybody wants to hear from, you know, not only the star players, but they want to hear from the the, the guys that, you know, make up the, the, the end of the roster. You know, the guys that the video, they might even want to, you know, get an interview with the video guy with these two teams. So this, these are guys that they're the epitome of what, you know, we, we put a lot of, you know, interest in as far as, you know, the NBA. I mean, the finals, the last two teams. And because it's these two teams that have met before, it just cre- creates more intrigue and more excitement. But, from the standpoint of players, man, we just want to get on the floor and play the game. I don't think there's really any heightened, you know, pressure other than the fact of, you know what I'm saying, you, either you win, you know, you win the championship or you don't. But, I mean, as far as the games and what goes on in between the lines, I think, you know, guys are, are responding, you know, the way that they've been playing in, in the previous series and obviously the defense of both teams has kind of, you know, slowed the offense down quite a bit. But other than that, I, I don't see – anybody really being timid or not being being themselves out there stack is there is there a recourse for the mavericks right now when you have lebron james guarding jet terry in the fourth quarter you know Dwayne wade occupying you know somebody else's time and really dirk seems like the only guy able to get going offensively for the mavericks late in these games is what can they what can they do to counteract that well, I mean, I, I think it's tough. I mean, because that's, <clears throat> that's the way it's set up to be. I mean, the, 
you know, Dwayne Wade, I mean, he's really taking it up to another level. He didn't have a great, you know, Eastern Conference Finals, but he's been who he was. I mean, I've seen this guy before in 2006. <laughs> the guy that just, you know I mean? And I'm happy that, I mean, I'm actually happy to see it. You know, yeah. it lets me know that it wasn't a fluke what, what went on in, in 06. I mean, even right. though, you know, he's, you know, he's making baskets, but he's not going to the, you know, you know, obviously going to the line as frequent as, as he, you know, was that we uh, felt like, you know, in that series. But now, I mean, he's just been, you know, a, a straight killer. I mean, that's who he's been for. That's who he's been for the Miami Heat right now. And, 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 and to his credit, LeBron James is, you know, kind of, you know, taking a more of a facilitator role and allowing him to do that. And I think that's, that's to the, to the, um, to the success of the team. But I mean, I just think that, you know, you're looking at, at that core, I mean, at that group of those guys, when you got him, I mean, it was just idea of what, you know, as a general manager, when you got those three guys, Dwayne Wade get double teamed. They passes the ball to LeBron James. LeBron James get double teamed. Now, all right, we, we got them bottled in. Now they're going to throw it to somebody else. Who do they throw it to? Chris Bosh, another, you know, another guy. Where, where, where does it stop? So, and I think that that's that's what Pat Riley envisioned. That's why he's one of the visionaries of our game, and that's why this this team is, in my opinion, primed to go on and win the, um, you know, the first first championship as a group. But you know, right. obviously, Dwayne Wade second. Right. Stack as someone who played with Dirk and uh, played against him, and, and played against him in practice and in the league. What can you do to slow him down? Is, is no, he's never played can... as good as he's playing right now. I mean, far as far as I've seen, you know, he's never played as as good as doing the things that he's doing. As well, I mean, you still had to pressure him to to make plays. I still don't think he's great at making plays out of double teams. I mean, when you, if you allow him, and they do a great job of always. Um, if you notice, you down his hands and get on the top side of him, I and mean, he has more vision. When you know you're on the bottom side and he's and he's able to see the double team come. When you're on the top side and there's a lob pass to get it over to him, then they're rotating from the from the baseline. It's a lot more difficult when you don't know you can't see that guy coming, and that's been bothering him a little bit. I mean, he's still been making plays out of, it, but I don't think he's as good. And then obviously they did a lot of scouting and noticed that. But as far as his shot making and the, and the way he's um, playing and competing on both ends of the floor as best as he can, never been a a really what you would call a defensive stop or a great defensive player, but he's making the rotations and doing the things within their zone and within their your defensive schemes that he's not the he's not a weak link, you know, or a weaker link out of the out of defensive schemes now. So that, that, that's what I'm seeing from him. Um, but I think the difference right now has been, you know, normally the closest for them has been when you know, when they load up on Dirk like they've doing. Jason Terry's been the guy that stepped up and. You know, it made big shots for him, and he struggled a little bit. And he's not struggling so much because of uh, his lack of wanting to do it. I just think when you get a guy six nine on you that has the ability to move and contest contest shots against you, it's going to be difficult. And that's what they're doing to him. Yeah, Stack. If you were if you're the coach of the Dallas Mavericks, and and you you're charged with attacking, not only you know dealing with the the Heat on the defensive end, but really attacking them. Uh, with your offense, how do you, how do you go about dialing that up? What, what's your main goal if you're attacking the Miami Heat uh, as an offensive uh, mind, and you want to go after them and, and maybe attack whatever weakness you think they might have? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to force the issue of getting into the paint. I mean, I think that's still the key with this team. Once you get into the paint and kind of soften them up with 
maybe a you know a couple drives and fouls and getting to the free throw line and from that standpoint then that'll open up some of the shooters to get a little better look but the the, the thing is with the Miami Heat's defense is they're just so I mean they're athletic I mean with with Dwayne Wade and and LeBron James and those guys flying around, even, you know, Mike Miller, guys out there, Mario Chalmers is a really good defender as well who's underrated as far as his ability to, and things that he's able to do. I mean, you hadn't heard, you know, much from guys like, you know, J.J. Barea who was, you know, huge in, you know, a couple of the previous series. And now he's like a non-factor now. And I think Mario Chalmers and his defensive ability um, has, you know, is one of the key reasons for that. But, I mean, I to, but I do think even with that said, you have to attack them. You can't, can't allow them to just, you know, throw it in the post. You know, throw it in the post. They go down to you and double, and you let them use their quickness and athletic ability to get back out the shooters. You just, I mean, it's almost like they're still they're still guarding their man because they have that type of ability to to, to cover. I mean, they're they're all league when it comes to mm-hmm. covering people in rotation. Stack, you played with the Heat back in October, November. Uh, looking at the team now. Where can you see the most improvement from from back when you were with them? Man, it was going to happen. I mean, it was just it was inevitable that what was going to happen with that group. I mean, you look at right. this team that had just been together. Dwayne Wade hadn't really had any uh, training camp. He was dealing with a lot of things off the court, some issues, you know, obviously with his, his family situation and that, and, and that. And so he really had no training camp. And then every all of a sudden they're just thrown together at the beginning of the season. All right, I mean, uh, LeBron James wasn't healthy. Uh, he was dealing with uh, a lower leg injury that, where he wasn't himself. And all these teams that had been together, you know, all these, I mean, Boston and, and these teams that were supposed to have been so good. I mean, even at the beginning of the season, the first game of the season, I mean, it was it's a game that went down to the wire. That was in the balance, in the throws of the game that it took for them to, to win the game. And I think so. that that was a, a real indicator to me that once this thing gets together and everybody starts to know each other every you know everybody kind of know the, their role and how it fits into what the scheme that this team is going to be be more than fine they were going to be a team that had to be right there you know when it was all said and done contending for a championship obviously a lot of things had to go right um they had to, you know when it comes to the, you know this situation of the of, of teams playing at this time of the year you got to be really really good which they are and you have to be a little lucky and i think they've They've been that, you know, in the sense of being able to get, um, you know, Mike Miller, you know, somewhat back healthy and, you know, just just being another body that they can rely on, another shooter that can spread the floor. And Udonis Haslam with the things that he's able to do. If they don't have him, who do they have to guard dirt? I mean, Chris Mm -hmm. Bosch is talented as he is. I take my chances. Um, you know, with that one, if 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 that's who has to guard dirt for for forty eight minutes in, in the finals. No question. Well, Stack, we, we're good and lucky that you were able to join us today, man. Uh, we got to get you on here again. And next time you're in the studio, maybe you come upstairs and hang out with us and, and take one of these live, man, because we appreciate having you on, the insights, knowing your history and, and, and all that good stuff, man. So good luck to you, and we'll see you down the road. Yes, sir, man. Anytime. You know I'm right there. Local. Good to talk to you, too. Y'all take care. All right, Stack. Take care. Hey, Stack. You know, the other, the other point that he mentioned that I think is really important, too, Lang, is that Udonis Haslam not being available in this series to me would have totally changed the entire dynamic because again you take Chris Bosh and Joel Anthony that would have been their primary responsibility or it becomes LeBron James's responsibility right to, and to then do Dirk and then who guards Terry exactly and that means right. 
you maybe have to put D Wade on Jason Terry, and that that leaves Jason Kidd to kind of maneuver and operate a little bit more. The the defensive matchups, and Micah, I know you probably noticed it too. The, these defensive matchups going both directions in this finals to me have been some of the most entertaining to watch because I thought Sean Marion did a fantastic job in the times he's been asked to guard LeBron and D Wade in crunch time situations. And then LeBron on the flip side to me has done as good a job as probably when's the last time a guy shut people down the way he has in say the last two, three series ever in in a playoff situation, the MVP in the conference finals, um, you know, now jet Terry in, in the finals, uh, you know, whoever he was guarding from Boston in the, you know, in the conference semifinals, I just think it's, for all the, the knocks LeBron takes from people, and, and Lord knows he's taken plenty since uh, last summer, to me his game's never been better in terms of just how good he is in every aspect of his game. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, and most people have seen on the Internet by now the, uh, the LeBron sort of uh, rebuking was it Greg Doyle of CBS Sports for asking the question. It is kind of funny that it's almost like if he doesn't score a ton of points, then, then his impact is gone. But his defense down the stretch in the fourth quarter of Game 3 was – you know, one of the main reasons they won that game, aside from Bosch and Wade hitting shots. I kind of think LeBron sort of can't win for losing at this point, you know? I mean, if he doesn't score a lot of points, they say, well, you're not taking over the game. And then if he does score a lot of points, like, well, why don't you get Dwayne Wade involved? You know, it, it's it's sort of like he can't really – he he kind of can't win. And But I, I think the way you, you fight that is you, you win the title. And then, and then you're like, all right, now what are you going to say? <laughs> you know, I, you know, one of the the key th- moments I thought down the stretch in that th- game three was, um, you know, Bosch made the the shot to to sort of put him ahead for good, but I think it might have been the play before that. Offensively, they they came down. They, someone threw a baseline pass across to Bosch, and he didn't take the shot. You remember that he pump faked, and then ended up uh, having to like force something right at the buzzer of the shot clock. The yeah. next time down, he got the ball and went right up with it. And, I mean, and it was almost like you could see him learn from the previous play and, and have the guts to take that shot and knock it down and, and basically win the game for him. Well, I, I'll tell you something else I noticed in the arena, Lang, that really stuck out to me. That I don't know if it, if it came across uh, on, the, on, you know, on television, is how much chatter there was between LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosh in this game, getting on each other's case. Like, first half mm-hmm. – they they were in in Bosch's ear about blocking out, you know, and they they were on him again at one point late. <clears throat> they were yelling at him to box out Tyson Chandler, and I don't know if you remember, they yelled at him, you know, go, went off on him like during a, a stop and play. And the very next play, Chandler comes over the top and gets a tip dunk, um, you know, as as the Mavericks were coming back. And if you could have seen the glares, they were shooting at each other going back up the floor after that. But it was like it. It's, it's almost like you watch this team push each other. You know, you're watching these guys push each other now to the brink of this championship. And, and I'm by no means assuming that anything's done before we see game, you know, before we see this game tonight and see what happens in game four. But it, it's interesting to me to see how they've gotten to this point. And now Wade is really pushing LeBron and Bosch to the point they haven't been before in their careers. You know what I'm saying? In terms of, when you mm-hmm. get you get here and you see that you can see that championship in you know like right ahead of you, and and Wade almost it to, to me it seems like he's like all right I know how we get to this next step you guys got to do this do that do that because we didn't see it from him 
earlier in this series, the verbal wade and kind of, you know, jumping down people's throats. And we didn't certainly didn't see it from him in the conference finals when LeBron was kind of playing the role of closer. I also think Wade's stepped up his game um, as this series has gone along. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just driving more, um, doing more of those zigzags to the rim from, from the top of the key where he somehow goes through about four guys and, yeah. <laughs> and gets, somehow gets right to the rim. Um, I think he's kind of stepped it up as they've gone along. And, and Wade talked about it after one of the – it might have been after game three or game two. He talked about how um, – you know, he, he's talking to LeBron out there on the court and he's telling him, um, you know, look, look, you got to You got to take these open shots. You got to drive. You got to do this. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't want to. I think, you know, as great as Miami has played in some of these games, Dallas has been every in every They've one of right these games. Yeah, they've been right and there. They won game two. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's over by any means. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lang. We, we're going to turn the page from, from the finals briefly to talk about uh, the news being made by the Golden State Warriors. Uh, new coach in Mark Jackson, uh, the ABC analyst, former all-star point guard of the Knicks and Pacers. Um, and we bring in our, our favorite cat, Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports, lives in the Bay Area. Mark, what do you live? Uh, two rocks? You can t- skip two rocks from your front door to the Warriors' practice <laughs> It's two bark stops, <laughs> two bark you, stops, and about of no traffic. I could probably be there in five minutes. Right, you might have to run some uh, some extension cords from there to keep your 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 house uh, powered up. Right, <laughs> yeah, you've been getting PG and E calling me talking about. Uh, <laughs> we have zero usage of energy from you over the last couple of weeks. I'm like, I've been gone. <laughs> that good. At least some, you know, nobody been in there trying to steal my electricity or anything. <laughs> that's that's my, a hard my, my home. Hey, that's one good thing about the road. You save money, right? Yeah. Eating on somebody else's dime. <laughs> not running Mark, up your bills at home. Well, hey, tell us I'm about back at home. I mean, money. this Warriors, this Warriors thing is this. This come as a surprise to, to most people. Do you think? Um, you know what? Yes and no. And, and I'll say this. At the beginning, and they said, we want somebody that is a name, mm-hmm. somebody that could bring some excitement. So after they fired Keith Smart, who I thought did a great job and deserved to come back, uh, they were looking at guys, and, and, and I respect these guys, but, you know, Dwayne Casey, great coach. They're looking at Lawrence Frank, Malone. Uh, Brian Shaw, who I think should have probably got more consideration. Um, but they're looking at all these guys who I was thinking, like, well, if they're looking for, like, star power name, maybe Brian Shaw, because he's an Oakland guy and coach with the Lakers, but the only guy that kind of has that glitz and glamour name, or you know, is Mark Jackson, mm-hmm. being that he's on TV and he's from New York and, you know, has a whole L.A. thing going and everybody knows who he is. Kind of like, you know, it's funny, Doc Rivers – was on TV, we kind of forget now. But when he got that job in Orlando, you know, everybody knew who Doc Rivers was, you know, right. or when he came to Boston, they knew who he was. Um, so when they're, I'm wondering now if all these guys they interviewed were more like smoke screens. You know, Bud and Holzer from, from San Antonio, like all those guys are great guys, deserving guys. But I'm telling you, if they would have wheeled out Mike Bolden or, you know, uh, 
the some other the, the guy from the Hornets assistant there, the people in the Bay Area would not have been excited about that. Right. right. Which is right. the wrong I think the wrong thing is that you're excited about a personality more than somebody that could be a great coach. But um, you know, they hire Mark, every everybody seems excited about it. Uh and we'll see, you know, what kind of staff Mark has. I think that's gonna be really important to his success, who his assistants are. Uh, what veteran guy is going to be there next to him? Because this is this is new. Right. It's one thing to be an analyst on TV and say, "Hey, that's what the coach should have did." Well, now that's your seat. Yes. So, um, you know, Mark is extremely bright. I've known him for a while, um, and, but he's going to have a big challenge ahead. This is something he hasn't done. This is something that he's wanted to do for a while, and uh, I'm, I'm curious to see uh, how he performs. Mark, I'm, I'm, I know you know uh, Mike Malone as well as I do, um, and maybe even better. Uh, and the word that he's coming along as an assistant, not going to L.A. with Mike Brown, instead coming to the Bay Area and working with Mark Jackson. You talk about him I having the right more money staff. involved in, in the Bay than there is yeah. in L.A. Yeah, I mean, but that that move to me is a signal that Mark Jackson has obviously – and, and whoever's advising Mark Jackson, and then maybe it's Jerry West even, yeah. has has made sure to let him under, know and understand that, hey, look at the examples that have been set, you know, by Doc and some other guys who have made that transition, and you yeah. really have to have nuts and bolts cats on your yeah. staff, like you said, to get this done. Well, you know, like look at Doc in Thibodeau. You know where he is now. He's coach of the right. year in his first year. Another guy on Doc's staff that doesn't get any credit, deserves a lot more credit, is Armand Hill, right. great offensive coach, always in the player's ear. Um, I, I, I think he probably should get an opportunity to do some things, but he's kind of more low-key, kind of like in a lot of ways Malone is. Malone's not a guy out there really seeking a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you, and same with like Kuster before, you know, they're kind of in the background. You didn't really know much about them. But, um, you know, if they could, he could get Malone there and – Get some kind of, uh, I, I guess, uh, uh, some kind of other strong assistant coach that will help, and I and I expect that to happen. He's really going to have to lean on these guys uh, to maybe draw a play, or to say, "Hey, Mark, in this situation, we should do this." You know, people that he trusts. He can't be a a guy that's not going to listen to his assistant coaches because while he while they're learning from him, he's learning too. So that's that's like, hey, Sekou, I mean, you're right on that. His The quality of assistant coaches he gets, and if Malone's one of them, that's huge, uh, will play a big role in what kind of success uh, Mark has. Right. Well, Mark, what do you think, you know, once they get the, the staff in place there, what happens to this roster? Are we going to see Monte Ellis gone next season, do you think? Well, the thing that's confusing now is how much presence is Jerry West going to have. You know, mm-hmm. and also keeping Bob Myers as a new guy, assistant GM, who has a lot of ideas. Um, you know, from talking to Larry Riley after the season, he was adamant about the fact that Monte and, and Steph could play together and will be playing together when the season starts. Now you're getting these uh, Philly rumors. You know, I, I kind of like I, – I, I, I wasn't a believer in Monte and, and Steph at first, but now – Later in the season, kind of seeing them get together. They've gotten to be really good friends. All that drama from the past, uh, 
Steph doesn't, I mean, Monte doesn't think it, it, it could work, is gone. I think they should leave that alone mm. and just kind of add to what they have. I, I think they're, you know, a, a good inside player and, and another perimeter guy away from maybe being next year's kind of like a Memphis Grizzlies type team that kind of surprises people and gets in. They they got talent. They just need to figure out, play some semblance of defense. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, so you... So you think the uh, you think the rumors about this potential move uh, is is nonsense about Monte? Uh, well, I saw Jerry West said he didn't think so, mm-hmm. but I, my point is because there's new blood in there, right? It, I think anything's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, Larry said that, but that was before Bob Myers and uh, you know Jerry West showed up, so. As a group now, when they sit and talk about it, it might be different. But from talking to Bob about it, he seemed to like those two guys playing together too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the league is kind of, as far as the backcourt now, as you see J.J. Barrera playing his position and, and Jason Terry, uh, you don't necessarily have to have a huge backcourt anymore to succeed. Yeah. And it, it, it's fi- hard to find too many backcourts uh, scoring-wise that are better than Steph and Monte. Right. I, I actually, you... you know what? I think Darrell Wright did a really good job last year under the mm-hmm. radar. He was mm-hmm. a six-man candidate. I thought a legitimate one. I don't, I don't know that this Philly move is the right move. Right. Because Monte is pretty great. You know, he, he's a 28-point-per-game scorer. He could take those. Monte, as far as offensively, has superstar written all over him. There's not a lot of guys that could do what he he does and make the big shots and take a game over and on some nights beat them by himself. Whereas Iguodala is more of a facility. You know, he, he he's more of a great defender. He's not a high volume scorer. Uh, that position isn't to me a need for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I like I like I love the trade for Philly. I don't. I don't know if I like it so much for uh, Golden State. Yeah, that's that's funny because I actually think it it's a weird deal for Philly in that um, you you're getting rid of Iguodala, you're bringing another scorer in like Monte, yeah. and you're leaving that small forward position to a guy like Evan yeah. Turner, who who I think is I think Thaddeus Young is the best small forward on that roster yeah. if they're gonna put a guy. It's in. curious on both sides, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just weird. It's I understand why people would be talking about it, and the yeah. the thing that really st- catches me, Mark, and tell me what you think of this is anytime you hear about a deal where there's nothing else needed but the two players, yeah. where the money where the money is close enough, it usually don't work. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's but you know what? This easy, is the thing you know? too. The the nation, unless you're a really really great avid basketball fan, unless you're watching basketball every day like we are, mm-hmm. I don't think people realize really how good Monte is. Yeah. You know, how how he's he's like maybe one reason why Philly's intrigued by him is because he's Iverson-like. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's tough now. That dude's tougher than people think. Now, he's, he's a big he's a big time scorer. I, in fact, I'll go as far as to say he's just scoring-wise, you can't find ten guys in the league better than him. No, I, no, I, would, I, I would, I would say that yeah, we'd have to sit here and really wring our hands to find ten scores better than Monte Ellis. Yeah, he doesn't get better. it just due, and it, and it's because yeah. 
the team has not succeeded. When they did make the playoffs, he was still a young guy trying to find his way. Right. But they'll get there. And, and you know, with, with this group, they seem like they're making the right moves. I'd, I'd like to see Mark coach Monte Ellis. I'd really like to see him coach him. And I would guess that Mark would like to coach him. Yeah. So now the the Mark – I mean, and we talked about it for the last 10 minutes or whatever, but – the Mark Jackson hire, you think that's a the good fit and the right fit for the Warriors? I got to see his whole staff. Right. You know? right. Uh, he says he wants to run. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. I think the defense is more of an issue for them. Right. I didn't think coaching was an issue. You know, they just they needed to get rid of Nelly. They did. Keith was doing a good job. Uh, so I, I think Mark knows that this situation is better than most people think. Mm-hmm. They're only like a couple players away from being pretty interesting. Right. But that's the thing. As I mentioned, his staff, but also what is, you know, can he breathe some life in the Beedrins? Five, you know, four or five years ago, Beedrins was being tossed around as an all-star candidate. Now the guy's left for dead. Yeah. You know, can he be that guy that could get Beedrins going again? You know, get Beedrins right. Um, can Larry Riley and Bob Myers bring them a low post score that can have a strong effect? That's what they need. Those, to, those are me, to me, are the more pressing needs. Somebody to join David Lee in that front court that really could. But, but who can that guy be? I mean, you know, maybe they should go after somebody like a Glenn Davis, somebody that's going to rebound and give them some scoring and bring some excitement. And I, I know they would love them in the Bay Area. But it's uh, there's not. This is a weak free agent market. I mean, I don't think they could get a Nene, right? Who probably is a star of it. Who I mean, who are they going to get? They got to be creative. I I just think sometimes you're doing too much when you're trying to change a team that's going in the right path. They're going in the right path. Add to it. Don't don't make any wholesale changes and don't detract from it. Hey, Mark, this is Micah. I got a question. You, you mentioned that you want to wait and see what uh, staff looks like. I'm just curious from your perspective, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm too young uh, to, to have much of a, an idea about how this stuff comes together, but it seems to me that the focus on having great assistance, I feel like people pay more attention to that now than they used to. Is, is, that, is, that, is that off base or is that true? Um, well, I just think there's more cameras, there's more – notice with it you know what i mean uh you you didn't see cameras in the huddle like back then uh in the 80s or even the 90s showing what kind of impact and i also think coaches probably even take more pride publicly about hey you know my guy got a job here my guy got a job there trying to push their assistance the way the media is now while there's places like boston where assistant coaches don't talk you know, how it was in L.A., I mean, you know, Jim Clemens and Brian Shaw, Hamblin, they used to talk all the time and be able to promote themselves some. Or you'll see uh, TV, like watching different markets, assistant coach speaking at halftime. So I think they've always been very important. Uh, but also keep in mind, too, if it's funny, if you go look at, say, Doug Moe's bench in the 80s, he might have had one or two guys sitting next to him. And now you got three assistant coaches sitting right next to you and two maybe behind the bench. It's just a bigger team of coaches now than there was in the past. 
Mark, let me ask you about a guy's name. You mentioned him briefly, and I, and the fact that we even have to bring this up right now is really kind of disturbing, man. But what happens with Brian Shaw now? His, his, yeah. I haven't seen his name mentioned in Detroit or Indy at all, two other openings that are yet to be filled, man. What What Fort is a guy Toronto. like Brian Shaw thinking right now? Yeah, we haven't heard his name in Toronto. I, I don't know, man. I feel bad for him. You know, you could play Monday morning quarterback and say, hey, should he have not taken his name out of Cleveland? Yeah. Uh I know his reasoning was he he he. It's when you're assistant coach with the Lakers, most he, and, and Brian would say, hey, most of the head coaching jobs are not as good as being the lead job with the <laughs> right. Lakers. Right. But I think what was kind of messed up is if the Lakers really weren't thinking about having him replace Phil, maybe they should have kind of given him that idea last summer. Yeah. While he was involved at Cleveland, you wonder if. The Lakers' early exit played a role in what happened, but yeah. to me, it, it seems like these wheels were in motion already. Because during the New Orleans series, they were letting employees know that when the lockout comes, you're gone. Yeah, you know, they're they're obviously trying to clean the entire house, bringing a whole new batch of people in with new ideas or whatever. And I'm like, didn't y'all just go to the finals three years in a row? Now you're going to bring on a whole new crew of people? Yeah. I mean, I understand the coach change or whatever, but it's, it's just, to me, the late bus is doing, young bus is doing way too much, man. You Messing think so? With that yeah. franchise. It's like new Pepsi. Ain't nothing was wrong with the old Pepsi. <laughs> and how long did that last? You know, man, let's go back to the old formula. You can't do that with play, people's lives. I mean, yeah. you got great trainers. They even got rid of... Uh, What's my man's name? Say cool. The, uh, Alex Clifton, Kitten, yeah. The, uh, no, the um, uniform guy. Uh, For the Lakers, you mean? Yeah, what's my man's name? Rudy. About, yeah, I mean, but shit, everybody. Everybody. Yeah, I mean, Rudy? You got to get rid of Rudy? You need yeah. a, somebody better on the equipment? <laughs> <laughs> and then like a guy named Rudy, you know, come on, man. I mean, a guy yeah. like Rudy's supposed to be there till he doesn't want to be there anymore. Right. So it's just... I don't know, man. It, it just kind of shows how they're running that organization now. And once Kobe's gone, if, if that's how they're doing business there, I don't know if if just being in LA is going to make it attractive. Yeah. Who would you? Well, before, well I know you got to get ready, obviously, to get to the game four of the uh, finals here tonight in Dallas. But if you had to guess a, a, a name for those those final three openings. Um, you know, obviously, the Pistons, like the Raptors, in Indiana. Yeah, I mean, who who would you guess would be um, named? I've been told Vogel's stars. okay, but mm-hmm. he's just going to change his staff. Right. Um, Detroit, I think it's going to be your guy, Woody. Mm-hmm. They just got a lot of familiarity with him. He he has success in Atlanta. I think that's right. just an easy, easy hire. Mm-hmm. To me, Toronto's the one that's going to be more complicated. They're being very, very close to invest about it. Yeah. Uh, quiet search, and now I think with with these coaches, uh, they're going to be very very paranoid about saying anything publicly, because especially like now in a place like Toronto where they don't want it out because they don't want to mess it up. Yeah, Mark Jackson wasn't saying a peep, right? You know, right. and I think it's going to be the same way in Toronto. But I, I'm hoping that you know a guy like Dwayne Casey who keeps being a bridesmaid is uh, given a chance maybe in Toronto. I think they want to get better defensively. 
and he's certainly deserving of, uh, I, I think, an opportunity. I think he teams are going to be mis- feel mistaken that they passed on him when he finally gets his chance. So I'll say maybe Casey gets to, gets a Toronto one. Right. All right. Well, Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports, uh, a fave here on the Hang Time Podcast, man. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, and listen. Call the power company out there in, in the <laughs> Bay Area and tell them to stall you out for a couple more days. You might you might have to go I'm back saying, to they don't have to turn the heat. They don't have to turn no heat on now. <laughs> I should be paying nothing anyway. <laughs> Open a window, uh, California in the Bay. I'm telling you, man. We appreciate it. Ain't like it. this we'll hot stuff you. we're going through here. Get, hey, triple digits down here in Dallas, bro. Triple digits. I'm not light skinned anymore. <laughs> Get out of here, man. Appreciate All right, it. Later. Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports joining us on the Hang Time Podcast. Um, was he dissing me there at the end? I think he was, but, you know. Um, I didn't hear it. I just, I just got back He off. knows you got, yeah, he knows you're doing stuff. You got air conditioning <laughs> units getting delivered and all that good stuff in New York yeah. today, man. Um, but, Lane, before we get out of here, um, and we want to thank our guests, obviously, for joining us today. Um, you just heard of Mark Spears from Yahoo Sports and Jerry Stackhouse earlier. A former NBA player now working with us at NBA TV. You've seen him on those airways plenty uh, throughout this season. Before we leave, uh, our main man, David Aldridge, sat down with Kyrie Irving, uh, potential number one pick in, in this month's NBA draft. Very interesting interview that the DA did with Kyrie Irving, Lang. Um, I know we've heard some snippets, and now we're going to share some of those with the, with the listeners here, and I think it'll be uh, – It'll it'll certainly start some chatter about Kyrie Irving and and just what kind of guy he is. Very revealing and very interesting. Um, So uh, hope you enjoy some of that and join us next time on the Hang Time Podcast. Later. What do you think about that? Um, I think it's a question that was going to happen regardless. But, uh, you know, now they're deeming I'm the savior of Cleveland, which is absurd kind of thinking about it right now. But, um, you know, I'm not in Cleveland yet. I'm not LeBron James. I'm Kyrie Irving. So... Whatever team picks me, I'm just going to contribute as best I can. Now, you know that that's, the, that's kind of the easy story if you get picked first by Cleveland. What do you tell people, maybe Cavaliers fans, about the kind of person you are and the kind of player you are that would let them know, okay, he's, he's Kyrie and he's not LeBron? Um, well, I gave the media the description that I'm not 6'8", and I'm, I have Irving on the back of my jersey when I play. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I'm a different player. I'm just a special player. I'm a little shorter than him. But, uh, you know, I'm just looking to contribute and just, just come in the NBA and I'm making an impact. What is the one thing that people don't know about you that they will get to know about you? Uh, that I'm going to be considered, I want to be considered an, Austral- um, an international player because I'm from Australia. Mm-hmm. So I want to be on that international. It's, it's, it's a, definitely a goal of mine. Yeah. So Olympics? We'll see. We'll see, honestly. I just want to be on the international list, just with Manu Ginobili and all, because I'm not. I wasn't born in America. So, so what's, in your, what's on your iPod now? What's on my iPod? Yeah. Um, you want to be honest? Okay. No, I want you to lie. Of course I want you to be honest. <laughs> I have some Rolling Stones on there. I have some, um, I'm more of a Broadway guy, so Show I listen I to listen, uh, Rent. I have all the Lion King tunes. Mm-hmm. I saw Wicked. Know. Yeah, and and when I see these Broadway shows, I don't watch them just to see the people dance. Mm-hmm. I just listen to them, to specifically the band, and then how they coordinate the dance all at once, right. like all at once, and it's just it's just a sight to see, and it's it's really art. 
honestly, music is art for me, but mm -hmm. the, just seeing that is just an experience. And then um, I also listen to uh, Disney songs because mm -hmm. I grew up on Disney. You grew up on Lion King and all that? Yeah, uh, Lion King, that, that's a given. Everyone, everyone, Yeah, Mulan. I was listening to Mulan when I pulled in the driveway. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I like all Disney songs, all Disney songs. And then, of course, I like R&B mm -hmm. and rap and all that stuff. But I'm, I'm all over the place. All over the place. I'm Man. really all over the place. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. Download more episodes of the show. Visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. 